praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord who will prosper your work and defend you. Surely his goodness and mercy shall daily attend you. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do as with his love he befriends you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. I want to begin today by extending to you the greetings of your brothers and sisters of Lutheran Church Canada, who rejoice with you today on the observation of your 50th anniversary. In the preamble of your founding documents, the following resolution is recorded. We, a number of Lutherans in the city of Edmonton, in the province of Alberta, have joined together as a congregation. We present these documents signed by ourselves to be the order in which all our congregational affairs, spiritual and material, are to be regulated. And the name of this congregation shall be River Bend Lutheran Church. And so it was on a certain fall day in 1972 that the foundations of River Bend Lutheran Church, a mission congregation and school, were laid upon the prophets and the apostles with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Pastor Schmidt being your first pastor. And those that gathered together here to establish this congregation believed what the psalmist had written, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so this congregation in its opening service was begun in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm a little curious today to know how many of those who gathered uh, there in the fall of 1972 are present today. If you're one of those founding members, please stand. We want to recognize you. Thank you. When I asked Pastor Pastuka what text would be used for today's service, he noted among them 1 Kings 8, 22 to 30. And it's a fine text for us to focus our meditation on for a day such as today. For the text records part of the dedication service when the Temple of Solomon had been built in Jerusalem had been completed. And we read uh, these words that uh, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth beneath, keeping in covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. But will God indeed dwell on earth? Good question. Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. 
Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, My name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place." And listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Forgive. But will God dwell on earth? It's a good question. Will God really dwell with sinful humanity? The scriptures often refer to God's presence in heaven. St. John's revelation today locates the new Jerusalem, his throne, his house, his city in heaven. So why would God dwell with a broken, rebellious sinner like you or me? He is holy, after all. With him, the wicked cannot dwell The erring cannot stand in his presence. So why would he dwell with you and me? Solomon's question goes even further. Will God really locate himself in a specific place? Will he really dwell in the temple that Solomon had completed? Solomon goes on correctly to note the transcendence of our God. The heavens cannot contain him. He is present everywhere. He is on the highest throne in heaven. God is God of God and Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Solomon says that indeed the temple cannot contain him. Now Solomon's temple was huge. It was an opulent Complex. It was inlaid with rare wood, silver, gold, adorned with precious stones, intricate, fine woven tapestries. All told, there were 183,000 workers involved in the construction of this temple over a seven year period. The estimated cost in today's money would be close to $3 billion, that is, billion dollars. It was an extravagant place where people could come before their God, bring their offerings and their sacrifices, and be close to their God. Solomon was right, however. God is not contained in any single location, not even in this massive temple complex. God is greater, more awesome than the temple. God is everywhere. To Jeremiah, God says, is there any place on earth that a person can hide themselves, that God cannot find them? God fills the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. And King David found great comfort in those words when he wrote in Psalm 139, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you are there as well. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. There is no place on the face of the earth, dear friends, that you can hide from God. There is no place on the face of the earth that God cannot reach out to help you or me. There is no place where God cannot love us and forgive us and take care of us because he fills all things. He is God of God and Lord of lords and King of kings. But will God really dwell on earth? Solomon believed that to be true. What is more, he believed that God located himself in the temple. And he had good reason. God let the Israelites know that this temple was the place that he would come to bless them. And he did it in a marvelous way. Prior to our text, the writer records God actually coming into the temple, writing, And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the whole house of the Lord. And then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. Now, the people had seen this many times in their history, the pillar of fire by night, a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day as the God guided them in their exodus years. Moses and the people saw very much the same thing uh, when the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was dedicated. And Moses saw that on the top of Mount Sinai as well. God is present everywhere, but on this day, the triune God made himself known by means of a cloud. This is the way that God dwelt with his Old Testament people. The Ark of the Covenant was always before them and preceded them. The priests carried the Ark with wooden poles to show that the invisible God was guiding them there and blessing them. On each of these occasions, God made known to his people his presence, and it helped them to understand that their God was with them. Will God dwell with sinners on earth? Specifically, will he dwell with this community of sinners located here at Riverbend Lutheran Church? The founding members of this congregation believed thus. They not only knew that it was the Lord who builds his church, but that he also makes his dwelling in his church. And they were right to believe this. Much better than hiding his presence in a cloud, God has made his dwelling on earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so the angel Gabriel comes to the Virgin Mary proclaiming, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be the Son of God. 
And in John's Christmas gospel, we hear the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. And St. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says of this Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together." and he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus coming in human flesh tells us that this human Flesh and blood of ours, as vile and as evil as it sometimes is, is precious in his sight. As sinful as, as we sometimes are, God does not discard us like so much garbage. This human flesh and blood of ours is valuable to him. He created it. He gives us a living soul. It's precious to our God. And we can see for ourselves how precious each and every one of us is to our God St. Peter wrote, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Will God really dwell on earth? Yes, he sent his son to dwell on the earth. Will he dwell here in this specific place at Riverbend Lutheran Church. The temple in Jerusalem was one of the great wonders of the world. It was amazing. But what set it apart, what made it uncommon, was that God dwelt there with his people. The temple in Jerusalem was centered on the special place, the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest would go behind the curtain that separated God and his people. And there the priest would offer the blood offering for the people as a sign of their redemption. Here at the temple, God comes to bless the people with his love and forgiveness. For God had promised them at the foot of Mount Sinai in their Exodus journeys, whenever I cause my name to be recorded, there I will come to you to bless you. Solomon recalls those words of God's promise to his people. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place, and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pr pray toward this place, and listen in heaven your dwelling place, and wherein you hear, forgive. The temple was the temple of God because God recorded his name there. 
Fifty years ago, God did very much the same thing when he established this congregation. He dwells with you and with me through his word and sacrament by the outpouring of his spirit. For this reason, he has sent you faithful pastors, Pastor Schmidt, Pastor Radeke, Pastor Shep, Pastor Haberstock, Pastor Van Man, and now for a little time, Pastor Pastuka, who have led you in the divine worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For 50 years, they have begun in that very same way. They have absolved your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For 50 years, God has been baptizing your families in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. For 50 years, God has been fulfilling his promise that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you. Every Sunday, every Christmas, every Easter, every wedding, every anniversary, every funeral, and the list goes on and on and on again. Does God dwell on earth? Yes. He dwelt in the past on earth with his ancient people. He dwells with you now. Here in this place, God comes to bless you in the same way that he came to bless the children of Israel of old. He has come in his son, Jesus Christ. He dwells on earth in his church. Here at River Bend, in his means of grace. And he also dwells within each one of you, beloved saints. For he has made his temple in you. Martin Luther once said this about the life of the believer. If someone were to knock on the door of my heart and ask if Martin Luther lives here, I would say that Martin Luther once lived here, but he's moved out and Christ now lives here. And that's true for you and for me too. For us, we can say with St. Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Since the day you've been baptized, God has dwelt in your house, in your temple. He has made his dwelling in you. In John 14, Jesus says to you and to, you and to me, he and the Father will come and make our home in him. Will God dwell on earth? The answer is yes, for he has promised to make you, your body, his temple, his dwelling place. And God is not done. God is not done in this place. Not only has God come to dwell on earth in your past and here among you today, he dwells in your future. Though church spires fall and congregations shrink and expand, God's people endure forever at greater trials and temptations. Ours is not a false hope nor a vain glory. God dwells in our future. His faithful presence on earth fills our future and fulfills our future. Jesus says to you, whoever hears my word and believes in me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And already among you are those who have crossed over from death to life, 
Not long ago, your beloved pastor Haberstock received that promised exchange from death to life, and there have been many others of your loved ones as well. Their disappearance from our eyes is a reminder that God dwells with his people here in this place. But this is not our final destination. No, there is a better temple that he has prepared for us. Someday we will breathe our last. Someday we will stand with the faithful in glory. We heard those words of promise again today in the book of Revelation given to St. John to proclaim to the church. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice with the throne, from the throne, saying, Behold, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Will God dwell with us here on earth? We rejoice because he has, he does, and he will. For 50 years he's dwelt with you to bless you, but he's not done yet. There is a future ahead of you. You know, anniversaries are great because we look back, but they also give us opportunity to look forward. Whether this congregation will be in this location in another 50 years, God only knows. But as it was in the past, so it needs to be now and in the future. As you come together here in this place, this altar is to be a place where a troubled sinner and an nagging conscience will hear the word of compassion and forgiveness from their God. This is to be a place where the prodigal son or daughter is not just so much ink on a membership role, but where God's love is lived out, even among those who have wandered from the church, wandered from the faith. This is to be a place where the wayward son or daughter can be welcomed back. It is to be the place in this community where those whose shadow is never darkened the doorstep can learn about Jesus, about why this place has been here for 50 years. It is to be a place where broken lives are connected to the healing presence of Jesus, the Christ. Today we rejoice for you and with you that God has dwelt with you all these years. And we give thanks to God for the saving faith that now lives in you, which has been passed down to you and is your most precious heritage that you can pass on to the next generation. Riverbend Lutheran Church, the whole church, both on earth and in heaven, join you today, rejoicing that God has dwelt with you for 50 years. Confident that the Lord hears and answers the pleas of his people, we pray that God would continue to bless you with his abiding presence, with his abiding name, with his abiding life. In the name of the Father, 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds focused on Christ Jesus until he comes again. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.